gospel reading is taken from Matthew chapter 4. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to, f- to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of God, heaven, it has come near. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Light of the world, you shine in the darkness. And so we pray now that you would come and shine in our hearts and our lives. That we may see the way that you are leading us more clearly. For we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Do you take your seats, please. So let me say again just how good it is to be here for this uh, very special uh, occasion this morning. I always enjoy confirmation services, spend a lot of my time travelling around different churches or around Leicester and Leicestershire taking confirmation services. And it is just a huge privilege getting to meet people at a very significant moment in their lives and to hear something of their stories. And uh, just in case you're wondering, by the way, you can be confirmed at any age. Uh, I've uh, confirmed, uh, yes, from about sort of 12 years old up to, uh, I think the, the record at the moment is about 85, I think is uh, something that I've confirmed. And it is an opportunity simply to say yes to God. So a real joy to be here, and I've heard so many good reports about all that's happening here at the Martyrs Church in particular, also at St Andrews. Um, really, really good to experience something of that in our worship together uh, this morning as well. Now, we're doing this service today in the season of the church that is known as Epiphany. Epiphany, it's a strange word, but it literally means to see the light. So to have an epiphany is to suddenly see something that you've just not been able to see before. It's that sense of of revelation, if you like, something being revealed to you. And that's why through this season, over a course of different Sundays, we have a number of different stories about Jesus as the light of the world. And of how that was revealed, how people came to suddenly see that in different ways. 
So straight after Christmas, we have the story of the wise men traveling from the east to present gifts to this newborn king. The star has led them and they have seen that this baby, born and laid in the manger, is actually to be a king. They've had an epiphany. Then we have the story of Jesus' baptism. So Jesus comes not not as a tiny baby, but a little bit later on in life to be baptized by John the Baptist. And we're told that as he came up out of the water of baptism, a voice said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. A wonderful moment of Jesus being confirmed, if you like, as God's son. And then we're told the Holy Spirit came like a dove and descended on him. Now today we move on from those stories to the story of Jesus beginning his public ministry. So that story we had a moment or two ago about Jesus moving from where he had been living to somewhere else and beginning his public ministry of teaching and of healing and through his teaching and healing revealing more of who he is. Now I remember you may have heard the story before but um, some while ago uh, when I was uh, a vicar in a church working with a group of children, I, uh, the children were busy doing some drawings. And I remember uh, very foolishly going up to one of the children and asking them, what are you drawing? To which the response came back, God. Even more foolishly, I then said, but nobody knows what God looks like, do they? To which this little girl said, well, they will do when I finish. It was rather lovely. So I looked a little bit more closely to see what she was drawing and what God looks like. And it was a picture of a person, as far as I could see. A person looked to me wearing jeans and a t-shirt, a bit like anyone else. And I remember thinking to myself, how profound. If you want to know what God looks like, you look at Jesus. That's the simple heart, if you like, of the good news of Christianity. If you wonder, what is God like? You look to Jesus. You hear the stories from the Bible about Jesus. You gather around the table to receive the bread and the wine, receiving something of Jesus to yourself. Or indeed you gather as part of the body of Christ, as we call the church. We are the living body, if you like, that embodies Jesus Christ here on earth now. This is how we know something of who God is. Now the public ministry that Jesus then began Uh, As I say, teaching, healing people, giving signs, if you like, of the goodness of God and what God wants to bring to this world. But in this story, there's something very interesting about where it takes place. So Matthew, as he recounts it, goes into great detail about uh, where this actually happens. So we're told it's the land of Zebulun and Naphtali. We're told it's by the borders of Lake Galilee. And then it's referred to as Galilee of the Gentiles. Strange titles, and we may be left to wonder why all the detail about this particular place. Well, the first reason, of course, is because actually there was a prophecy many years before, recounted in our first reading from Isaiah, literally hundreds of years before Jesus came, came saying that in this land, this forgotten and overlooked land, that this would be the place where God's lights would shine, a light shining in the darkness. So Matthew says, here it is. Just as was foretold, just as was promised, this 
is the light shining in the darkness as Jesus comes among these people. Galilee of the Gentiles, though, is a strange title. You see, Gentiles, that word, for most Jewish people, it was rather a, a negative word, if I'm honest. It meant those people who are not Jews. Those people who really don't quite get it. They're, they don't quite understand what God is like. So these are, are people we have nothing to do with over there. The Gentiles, the forgotten people. In reality, of course, actually, it was quite a multicultural community around that area. People had moved from various different parts to that area. It was perhaps not unlike the Navarro Road in Leicester. People from all sorts of different places living together, but rather looked down on by everybody else. Yet this is the place where God's light shines. This is the place where Jesus chooses to begin his ministry of teaching and of healing. Something so special about that, isn't it? That actually it's often in the forgotten, the hidden, the overlooked, the people who think of themselves as hidden or forgotten, overlooked, that these are the ones that God comes to and that God reveals himself to. At a beautiful moment just uh, before Christmas, uh, some people who work been working in the diocese for many, many years, uh, both of them uh, vicars, and uh, she, some years ago, was diagnosed with cancer. And through all the course of the treatment, I'd uh, been to see them and uh, phone them and so on. And then just before Christmas, I went round to see them to take Holy Communion to them. So just a very simple service of sharing the bread and wine of communion with them. And she was very unwell. And it was quite clear she wasn't going to live for very much longer. Her husband was, in a sense, already mourning her loss. He knew that there were only days, if that, for her to live. But as we shared Holy Communion, just sat in their living room, sat on their armchairs with just a little table in front of me with a cloth and the bread and the wine placed on the table. And as we prayed together, and then as I took the bread and the wine to each of them, there was an extraordinary sense of God's light shining in this room. An extraordinary sense of faith in them, trusting that death is not the end. That sad though it may be, that actually for a Christian who trusts in Jesus Christ, there is hope beyond the grave. So even in that living room, there was a sense of God's light shining on those who mourn, those who faith death, those who suffer. It's true in so many different ways, is it not? All around us, I'm sure you've had experiences yourselves of being with people in difficult situations when they're suffering, when they're in pain, when people feel themselves to be powerless, wondering what the future holds for them. And yet, even in that moment, God's light can shine. Some years ago, I uh, worked in uh, Africa, in West Africa. Uh, my wife and I went uh, for a few years to work. I was working with a local church. My wife's a doctor. She was doing some uh, health care work. And because we were living in quite a rural area, we would often get people traveling from miles around to come and see my wife in particular, wanting medical help. And I never forget one particular incident when late at night we were just about 
to get ready to go to bed when there was a knock on our door and we went to the door and there was a whole crowd of people stood on our doorstep but among them was one woman holding a small child it was clear the child was unwell and she simply held the child out to my wife uh, without a word simply saying please help so we ushered them in and my wife went off into a side room with the girl but fairly quickly she came out again and it became clear that the girl had died. And as the family, the friends, all who had come with them, uh, wailed and cried and released their emotion and their pain. So I stood there thinking, what can I do? What can I possibly do in this situation? But I knew they travelled far, so I just very simply offered to take them back to where they come from in the car that we had. And so sure enough, we all got into the car. It was one of these uh, pickups that the girl's body was laid in the back of the, uh, the pickup. And everyone else came in the car and we set off down an African dirt track. It was dark, deep darkness, when there's no light, no artificial light around at all. And it was cloudy, the moon was hidden. The only lights was the headlights of the car. And as we were driving along, we saw in the distance, uh, coming towards us, a man on a bicycle. And as he drew nearer, there was a cry went up from the car, and it became obvious that this man was actually the girl's father. He'd presumably come back from work and had found everyone gone. So as we stopped the car and I got out to greets the man as others did too. Again, I was left thinking, what can I do in this situation? And I did the only thing I could think of, which was to say to my wife, to ask her to drive the car. And I took the bike from the man, he got in the car, and they drove off. And so it was that I found myself stood on this African bush track with the bicycle, having to find my own way onto the village in the complete darkness. I don't mind telling you, I was scared. It's one of those moments when every bush by the side of the track takes on the appearance of a lion or some sort of wild animal that's about to jump out at you. And every branch laid on the track looks like a snake that you're about to tread on. So again, I did all I could do, which was just simply to wheel the bike with me and put one foot in front of another and just walk on the track and try not to look at anything round about me. And then after what seemed like an age, eventually I saw just a tiny pinprick of light up ahead. And the lights grew nearer and I realized that having arrived at the village, they had sent somebody with a torch to come and find me. And so we walked the last little bits with this person shining a torch on the path. That's a picture that I have in my mind when I think about the light shining in the darkness. Of how the darkness can at times overwhelm us. And yet, even just that pinprick of light, walking towards that, gives us the way ahead. My friends, when Jesus came into the world as the light of the world, he came to provide that light for us to give us the way for us to walk, so that in the darkness of this world we would know where God is leading us.
Let's look for our candidates for confirmation today. They're here because they have seen that light. And they have determined that they want to walk towards that light for the rest of their lives, whatever their lives may bring to them. But that determination to keep walking towards the light. And then, of course, to shine that light for others. So at the end of the service, we commission them. They'll be given a, a lighted candle, actually, at the end of the service. And then I'm going to walk with them as they go out from here, out of the door, outside, as a sign of taking that light.